morning. This is our testimony. The Bible says that we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Look at somebody, look at your neighbor and say, word, word. You are overcomers this morning. You can go ahead and high-five your neighbor as you grab a seat. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. And we just want to say welcome. Uh, if you're a first-time guest with us, maybe you're watching this service online, or maybe you've been in the house a few times before and you haven't just got connected yet, we want to say welcome. And if you don't mind, there's a connect card in the pew in front of you, or you can take out your smart device and scan the QR code on the screen, or you can text D1TEXT to 84576. There are a number of things that you can sign up with using that uh, QR code or text, or even writing it down. But for our guests especially, we ask that you fill that out. And if you do use the connect card to hold on to it until after service you can drop it in our giving boxes or you can take it into our guest reception where you can get to meet our pastors we strongly encourage you to do that because we want to follow up with you but Dothan first can we give it up for our first time guests one more time welcome we're so glad that you're here and uh, speaking of a few things that we have going on we want to tell you that today you get a chance to sign up for life groups we love life groups. We believe that's one of the ways that the bigger we grow, the bigger we grow. We stay small. We stay connected. And so uh, please sign up for uh, life groups. We're starting a new semester of those. Also, we're doing freedom groups as well. And we want to invite you to take your next steps. If you haven't seen as you came in today, there are 20 plus small groups along with freedom groups. Yeah, give it up for our life groups. There's plenty of options for you to choose from. So I encourage, you shouldn't leave today without knowing that you can be a part of one of those. We have a category for everybody. So please sign up, we'll follow up with you in the weeks to come. And then for all my ladies, all the ladies in the house say, hey, y'all are asleep this morning. It's the cold weather, it's the cold weather, I get it. Our weather's very moody. But uh, for all the ladies in the house, uh, Sisterhood Refresh Night with Brittany Powell on February 17th. Y'all should be excited about that. And I need you to invite every lady that you know in the Wiregrass area. Like, I don't care if they're all the way from follow, You go grab them and bring them to this night. Uh, Lindsay and I had the opportunity to hear Brittany preach up close in Southeastern uh, just a few days ago, and she really can bring it. So I encourage you to invite all your ladies, share it on social media, text somebody. This will be a great night for you to bring them, as well as on Sunday, February the 19th, her husband, James Powell, he's going to be preaching a word, and they are the campus pastors at Southeastern, and uh, they're just leading something special and there's something unique on their lives in this season so please get your face in the place and that's february the 17th ladies and then where are my, my married people at where are the married people at wave at me pastor mark was like yeah i'm, I'm excited because he's talking about marriage today and the reason we want to uh, acknowledge you is if you have questions about marriage we want you to text d1 text to 84576 and uh, excuse me, seven six. And these are anonymous questions. And this this is an opportunity for Pastor Mark to answer these questions live. So if you want to ask, why does my husband always want to hog the remote or something like that, you can ask that question. If you want to ask, never mind, I'm not going to go there. But uh, seriously, text those questions right now. Pastor Mark is going to address them. And then also, I want to remind you that today we're starting a new season, a new session of Grow Track. And you need to take your next steps. Again, that's text and D1, uh, D1 text A4576. Sign up for those next steps. Uh, you can also, if, you, if you're at a place and you're like, man, I really, I just, I didn't sign up, but can I still come? Yes. This is not just a pathway to membership. This is a pathway to ministry. And we invite you to join that, uh, to be in that room today. It's going to be a great day. How many of you are excited for what God's going to do? It's going to be a good day. Can you give it up for our pastors as they acknowledge our new members today? Uh, what a great day. 
Amen. Yeah, and I want to take a moment, as Pastor Will already did, and welcome all that are first-time guests in the house. So honored that you're here, as well as those watching online for the first time. And uh, I did hear that my friend Don Gulledge is back in the house. I don't know where you're at. Where are you at, Don? My boy right there. I love you, buddy. And I know you've been through a lot, but you're a strong trooper. And uh, we just continue to pray over you, God's blessing and healing over your life and over your body. We're just so glad that you're here today. And uh, man, this is a great day because we get to recognize those who have been through our grow track and have decided to become members here at Dothan First. And you need to understand, for us, membership is partnership. It's partnership in the purposes of God. It's helping people find their divine design and then using that for God's glory. And so we really want to help you in your journey of faith. So if you've never been through Grow Track and maybe you've been talking about it or thinking about it for a while, or maybe this is your first time thinking about it, you need to participate. You need to be uh, connected to your purpose. And we want to help you with that. So it's right after this service, we'll launch into our Grow Track, out these doors and to your right in our Connection Cafe. Uh, you can just slide into there and we'll have a place ready for you. We're going to have a great day of celebration. But listen, today we're going to acknowledge those in the house that, uh, just, that they're, they're committing to partner with us to see this city, this region, this world, one to Christ by becoming members here at Dothan First. And we'd like to recognize them. And listen, just like with graduations, hold your applause until all have come forward. And uh, as Michelle calls your names, if you don't mind just coming forward, standing in the front, lining up across the front, and just facing the audience, this family, uh, this church family, would you go ahead and do that? All right, we're excited today. Um, Ron Adams, if you'd come on down, and Kaylee Adams, Megan Bonin, Brianna Brown, Brady Hickman, Shannon Longshore, Charles Longshore, or Chuck, we should say, Christy Martin, Chris Martin, Keisha Mills, Jamie Mills, Ellie Mills, Brenda Robb, Bruce Robb, Steve Scott, Jillian Scott, Megan Watson, Jessica Keeler, James Keeler, Julia Kate. Bentley Rabbitai. Oh, I love this. I love this. Can you take a moment and just give it up for all of these who said, hey, we want a partner. We're in. I love this. And I'm going to just slip between you for just a minute here. There you go. Perfect. Because I want to look at all your beautiful faces and just tell you we love you. We're honored to be able to partner with you, to see the work of the kingdom advance in your lives and in your family. And uh, behind me sits your family, your church family. And I know how much that they love you. And church family, we want to continue to build relationship. And there may be some that are here that you've been here for 20, 30, 40 years, and you don't know these families. We want you to get to know each one. They're just such a joy to get to know and a blessing. 
and we want you to celebrate them and help them in their journey of faith. That's what the family of God does. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to simply read this charge, and it's it's no, no more than the, the uh, what you already signed as the covenant. But here it is, in recognition of your completion of Dothan First Grow Track, your desire to protect the unity, share in the responsibility, and serve the ministry and support the testimony of Dothan First. We're excited to partner with you to fulfill the God-given purposes in your life and specifically as members of Dothan First. So I'm going to ask you these five questions, which you've already answered, but I'll go ahead and ask it. And at the end, if you just simply answer by saying, we will. Here it is. Will you faithfully commit to fulfill the biblical command to love God and to love others, to connect to others in the family of God through regular fellowship? to grow spiritually by regularly attending Dothan First Services, serving God by serving others through the giving of your time and talent and treasure, and going and reaching your world for Jesus Christ. If so, can you say, we will? Well, because of that commitment, that dedication, we celebrate it today, and we want to partner with you. We really do. We want to partner with each one of you to see God's hand released through you to bless this city. Can I just do this? Can we take a moment and pray over these that are joining in as members today? Would you just kind of stretch your hand out as though you got your hands put on their shoulder? I know we can't get everybody around them, but just symbolically, let's pray. God, thank you for each and every one of these amazing leaders and members in their own right. God, bless them in Jesus' name. God, we, we, we just ask for you to place your hand of anointing on each one of them. Lead and guide them by your Holy Spirit. Use them for your purposes and your will. God, I pray that strategically they would do more than they ever dreamed in this new season with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Lord, guiding and leading and directing and even protecting them during this journey of faith. And now, God, we speak blessing over them, divine blessing, that, Lord, they would be not only in good health, but their soul would prosper. God, I, I pray strategic blessings overtake them as they use their gifts to lead others to Christ. God, we thank you for them, and we speak anointing and blessing over each and every one of them. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that's above every name. We pray it all over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you give it up for these amazing leaders? We love you guys. Welcome. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. God bless you, and you can go ahead and be seated, but we welcome you today to, as new members in the body of Christ here at Dothan First. Bless you guys. Love y'all. Oh, what a great day. Such a great day of celebration. And you know, we all need someone to come alongside us in the journey of faith. And I know for many of you in this room, you may be walking through some challenges and struggles, and we want you to know we're here for you. Our elders, they're, they're your elders, and they're here for you. And if you have a need for prayer in any area, I want you to know whether it's relational, financial, uh, uh, maybe you've lost a job or you've received a bad health report or you're standing in for a friend or family member who doesn't know the Lord, whatever it may be, Today, I'm going to invite our elders, if you make your way toward our various stations of prayer, and over these next few songs of worship, I want to invite you, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> to come alongside those elders. 
And as the, as the music begins, you can slip out from where you're at, where you're seated, and, and just head back to this exit sign back there or this exit sign there or up in the balcony. And these elders are here to pray with you and agree with you in prayer. And before we do that, I know that there are brothers and sisters in Christ overseas right now that desperately need our prayers. I mean, there's a lot of people in need here in the Wiregrass and in the state of Alabama and in the United States of America. And churches that we support around the world, missionaries we support, underground churches that are being persecuted. But specifically, my heart goes out to those in Syria and in Turkey as they've experienced such uh, traumatic and, and, and traumatic loss. Uh, the death toll now has reached around 30,000 people that have been affected by this earthquake. And I've been, I just want you to know that I've been in contact over this weekend with Bruce Headley, uh, who he helps head up the disaster relief uh, overseas and, and right here in the United States. When there's a disaster, they're there on the ground. And because of your support and your help and your financial giving, we're able to be there right now. Your hands extended through Convoy of Hope, where they're there on the ground right now with, with food, with water, uh, with assistance, with disaster relief. And I want to say thank you to you on behalf of those who are grieving right now in those, those nations. They say thank you because of your support. And so right now, we're going to pray a blessing over them. <clears throat> And this is our time to give, so we, we get to give unto the Lord. And I'm so grateful to God that we, we get to give. But if, if you'd like to give a specific or strategic uh, gift, you can just give it to missions, kingdom builders, and just like we talked about at the beginning of the year. And we will help get that to those who are in desperate need during this time. You can see the five ways to give on the screens. And... Um, we're not going to pass the plate, but if you have a check or some kind of donation physically, uh, you can put it in the giving envelope and then just worship on your way out with that gift in the giving boxes that are stationed at those doorways. Let's take a moment and pray. God, thank you so much that we get to give and partner with you. And Lord, as we give to help those in need, Lord, there's so many that are struggling, not just here in the Wiregrass and in the state of Alabama, but literally around the world. And specifically, I, I pray for those who have lost loved ones there in this uh, horrible tragedy, this earthquake. And I just, God, I, I pray you'd comfort the hurting. And I pray that our gift would be like arms outstretched from Dothan to surround and support those that are going through such traumatic loss. And now, Lord, I speak blessing over these, your people, as we give unto you. Lord, you said you give back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You give back to us. And so I, I pray your blessings would chase down your people as we're generous to give and to bless and to serve. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. And would you stand up with us as we worship the King? We're going to worship God in song today. And if you have a need of any kind, would you just slip out from where you're at and go receive prayer from your elders today?
Time.
your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness i'm still in your hands this is my confidence you've never failed me your promise still stands great is your faithfulness come on sing it to him your faithfulness god i'm still in your hands and this is my confidence you've never failed me and he won't amen he won't fail us he won't we believe in
Amen. Amen. How many of you are glad that we have a God who never changes and he never fails? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We live in a culture in which losing is the enemy. We go to workplaces where everyone is battling for the boss's favor in the next promotion. Or we stay at home where the battle for the Legos is just as fierce. Nightly, we watch the talking heads trying to win the battle of ideas, although sometimes they seem quite willing to settle for winning the battle of decibels. We fight to have the best stuff, we fight through traffic, and when we finally look at each other at the end of the day, we fight, because we've been trained to do nothing else. In the worst of cases, we grew up fighting for our very survival, both physically and emotionally. But even in the best of situations, we found ourselves trying to win the competition for our parents' attention and approval, for our peers' acceptance, and for the validating stamp of a world with one message, win. But Christ calls us to do most things backwards from what the world and our flesh are telling us. That's why if marriage is going to work, it needs to become a mutual and reciprocal contest to see which spouse is going to lose the most. In marriage, Losing is letting go of the need to fix everything for your partner, listening to their darkest parts with a heartache rather than a solution. It's being even more present in the painful moments than in the good times. It's finding ways to be humble and open, even when everything in you says that you're right and they're wrong. It's knowing that your spouse will never fully understand you, will never truly love you unconditionally, because they are a broken creature too, and loving them to the end anyway. If you're going to make marriage a competition, compete over which spouse will lose the most. Imagine a marriage like this. When the baby cries, both spouses race out of the bedroom door, bumping into each other in the hallway, just so the other one can rest. When one spouse is having a bad day, he or she still finds ways to make life easier for their partner. Each spouse deliberately places the other's calendar and career ahead of their own. No marriage is perfect. But in this kind of marriage, a decision has been made, and two people have decided to love each other to the limit, and to sacrifice the most important thing of all, themselves. In these marriages, losing becomes a way of life, a competition to see who can listen to, care for, serve, forgive, and accept the other the most. The marriage becomes a competition to see who can give of themselves in ways that most increase the dignity and strength of the other. These marriages form people who can be small, humble, merciful, loving, and peaceful. Maybe what we need, really, is to become a bunch of losers in a world that is being torn apart by the competition to win. If we did that, maybe we'd be able to sleep a little easier at night, look our loved ones in the eyes, and forgive and forget. That's good words of wisdom right there for marriages in the house. Well, listen, it is both Super Bowl Sunday and it is Valentine's Day coming up. And so I had to pick one or the other. And I decided I'd rather talk about football, but then I'm married, so I'm going to talk about Valentine's. Oh, come on now. You men in the house, you know what I mean. Actually, I decided to merge the two. And we're going to talk about... Teamwork makes the dream work, all right? Well, how many know to win a Super Bowl, win a championship, you got to have players that not only get along but gel and have uh, camaraderie and then have one goal in mind, and so it is in relationships. 
and especially in marriage. How many understand if you are going to win a championship, you can't kill your teammate. And that's the way it is in marriage. So teamwork is going to make the dream work. And uh, listen, you can follow us in our social media platforms uh, on YouTube and Facebook. And some of those that are joining with us right now live, we welcome you today. Uh, but we also encourage you to share the story. You know, one of the things about a, a, a mission or a ministry, when you hear words of encouragement, something that blesses you or breathes life into you, why not share that? Why not pass along the good news? It's a very simple way to be able to reach those that are maybe struggling in your sphere of influence. Um, but, and also you can follow us on the YouVersion app of the Bible. If you'd like to do that, you can go ahead and follow us along there. There's only a couple of of scriptures that are there in this particular message, but I really feel like I'm going to give you some practical advice. And whether you've been married for 50 years or uh, maybe you're unmarried, you're single, but you're looking to be married, I believe this is going to help you in all walks of life, in many relationships. And uh, go ahead, grab your copy of God's Word. Say this with me. Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now just turn to the person next to you and say, I don't know if you're into the Super Bowl or into marriage, but either one, I'm going to celebrate it today. Okay. <laughs> I just got to ask. I got to ask for a minute because I know there are those in the room that are married. How many are married? Put up your hands. Come on, little survey, okay? Uh, now, how many of you have been married two years or less? Put up your hands. Two years or less. Okay, I got some back there. Two years or less. How about one year or less? Put up your hands. Anybody? Back here. Okay, I'm looking around. Yeah, back there. All right, how about uh, six months or less? Anybody six months or less? One up in the balcony. A couple of them up in the balcony right here. Uh, anybody else? Okay, right there. How about, uh, let's go, uh, just keep your hands raised if it's six months or less, and then put your hand down when it's, okay, so five months or less. Four months or less. They both put their hands down at the same time. Wait a minute, do we have one? Where am I? Right there? Three months? Two? Three? Three months? Anybody, can, can any, is anybody uh, newer than three months? Well, you just won a, a dinner and a movie, okay? And uh, Pastor, um, Pastor Michelle is going to give this to Pastor Will up in the balcony. Can you give it up? Yeah, welcome to the household of craziness called marriage. I can't wait to talk to you guys about all this. So you got nothing but good news in front of you. I'm telling you, it's easy. It's so, marriage is so stinking easy. It's just you kick back, relax, nothing but fun. Nothing but fun. And you hear all these chuckling. That means listen closely because we got some stuff to talk about today. Um, okay. Now, for those of you who are, let's say, 50 years, married 50 years. Michelle and I are 28 years going on our 29th year. We're celebrating our 31st um, Valentine's because three years we dated. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty great, right? I that I even remembered is, is great. Okay. All right, thank you. I need a little credit here. 
Uh, how about how many of you have been married 50 years or more? Put up your hands. 50 years or more. Oh, I love it. I love it. Y'all need to be up here teaching. I don't know what I'm doing, but 50 years or more. Yeah, give it up for those 50 years or more. How about 60 years? Anybody 60 years back here, right here? 60 years? Okay. Uh, now you're going to have to really wait, flag me down here, but uh, how about 65 years? Anybody 65 years? I'm looking. You guys pointed out. If it, okay, I'm going backward now. 64 years, 63 years, 62 years, 62 years. Right back here. Is there anybody else? Can you just give it up for them? 62 years. Hey, dinner and a movie is on us, and we love you, and we're so honored that you are proving faithfulness to this house, and you're teaching all of us about how to not kill each other. This is awesome. I cannot, I cannot wait to share what I'm about to share with you. We are going to have so much fun in Teamwork Makes the Dreamer. We've been talking about this series called Believe For It. And we started talking about your physical health. And then we went to your spiritual health and during our fast. And then we went to our emotional health. And today we're going to deal with relational health. Friends, I want you to be healthy in every area of your life. I want the trickle-down effect of God's goodness in your life to, to extend not just to your spiritual health, but your relationships. I pray that the closer you get to God, the better mate you become. That's the way it ought to be. And so as we go through this process, uh, no matter what situation you're in, I know some of you, uh, you're married with children and you've got little ones at home. Some of you are empty nesters. Some of you are just waiting and wishing you were empty nesters uh, to kick that 40-year-old son out of your basement while he's playing video games. Anyway, uh, but, but many of you in this room still need marital help. Doesn't matter what age you are or how long you've been in this. You're in a new season, a new stage, and you walk through those stages together. And you need to understand there is a new phase for every stage. As you walk through life together, there's challenges at every stage of marriage. And I want to help you with it. Some of you, though, uh, you're, you're uh, unmarried. Maybe you're uh, unmarried by choice or by situation uh, or by calling. And, and all of that is fine. But you need to understand these concepts will help you regardless of your marital status. But there are marriage categories that I want to deal with today. And I, you need to understand that it, it begins with the baseline of trust. You can't have a relationship with somebody you don't talk to and that you don't trust. And to have trust, you have to have vulnerability. And vulnerability usually, usually comes through communication. So communication is a really big key and I know that there are some in this room that you love each other so deeply. You're married. You love each other with all your hearts. But you're just in a season of uh, just craziness. There's bills and there's, there's uh, kids and there's financial issues and there, there's, there's crisis of all kinds, challenges at work. And, and it seems like you're two ships passing in the night and you need to understand I'm here for you. This church is here for you. Your elders are here for you. We want to help you in the journey of faith. When you're overwhelmed, we want to help you in the journey of faith. Others of you, you're married, but you're, you're, you're just comfortable. It's not, it's not, it doesn't feel life-giving and fulfilling anymore. It's just kind of like your roommates in a house. 
I want to help you. I want to help you in this new season to adjust. Because clearly somewhere along the journey, there was a turn. And, and I've, I've used the illustration many times. If you're on a motorcycle and you got one person that's driving, the other person that's holding on, what happens is you're supposed to lean into the turns. And as a matter of fact, both the driver and the passenger have to lean into every turn. The problem is if the passenger leans away from the turn, the bike flips. And I want you to understand there's a lot of marriages that are heading for a lot of turns. And if you don't turn together, that thing's going to flip. And you won't know what to do. And I want to help you. And others of you in this room, this is your last hope. I mean, you're going to celebrate Valentine's Day, but you're going to look across, probably looking at each other's phones more than you do each other, because you just know, you're just going through the motions, and you need a lifeline. And today, I want you to know there is a biblical lifeline that I'm about to toss you, because there's still hope. I believe for it, (laughs) and I want to encourage you to believe for it as well. So God created marriage in his amazing way, um, in response to loneliness. He noted that in the garden, there was clearly, there was loneliness, and, and Adam needed a helpmate, someone who would come alongside him. And, and, and so he, he created companionship because he hated loneliness. And let's just bring you all the way back to the garden because I I think it's important. If you're going to talk about marriage, you got to go back to the foundation because the key is this. If you're going to build a house, you got to start with a blueprint. If you're going to build a car, you have to have the design before it goes to the assembly line. How many know what I'm talking about? And you need to know that God was the one that put marriage together. He defined the design. He is the one that brings definition, and only he is the one that can change the definition. If he's the one that created it, he's the only one that can define it. So we need to look at what is in God's divine design for marriage. Genesis chapter 2. Go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 2, all the way back in the beginning. Here it is. Genesis chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Starts here in verse 22. It says this, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib of Adam, and he brought her to the man. Let's stop there. Most of you understand, you know that, you know, biblically literate people know that this wasn't God's original design. This wasn't what he had planned initially, uh, this was plan B because initially he went to, you may not know this, but he went to Adam first. And he said, you got to understand, I'm, I'm going to create a wife for you. He said, oh, that's awesome. What's a wife? And, and God began to describe. He said, oh, it's this woman. Not only is she going to be incredibly gorgeous, but she is going to do everything you say. She's never going to argue, never going to complain. When she's wrong, she'll immediately admit it. She will always give you the control for the TV. What's a TV? Don't worry, you'll, you'll find out later. And God just began to describe this, this woman. She'll do everything you say. She'll cook. She'll clean. She'll raise your children. She'll do everything for you. You won't even have to lift a finger, Adam. And he was so impressed. He's like, dear Lord, God. He said, what's it going to cost me? And he said, well, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And Adam said, well, what can I get for a rib? And now, oh, come on, somebody. (laughs) Okay. 
Joking aside, this truly was God's divine design. From the beginning, God's plan. He got a rib, he made the woman, brought her to the man. And here's what it says in verse 23 of Genesis chapter 2. It says, at last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And I believe that God actually uh, had Adam name Eve because all that happened was he went, whoa, man. And God went, okay, woman. That's how I'll call her from now on. Whoa, man. And, and here's, what, here's what happened, okay? So, so God in his divine uh, nature creates this beautiful woman, brings her to men, and, and, and he doesn't know what to do, much like most guys who stutter and stammer when they, you know, talk to a pretty woman for the first time, a pretty girl like I did to Michelle for the very first time when I saw her, you know, I mean, I try to be cool and smooth and, and suave, but, you know, sometimes you just get a little tongue-tied, and, and I think that's what happened is he was trying to throw out a little poetry, because you know how guys do, we try to be slick and everything, and he tried to throw a little poetry, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, you know, I don't know if he was a rapper or a singer or what, but he was, he was trying his best, he was throwing it out, but what he really was trying to say was, hello, is it me you're looking for, Right? Actually, he was probably saying, any kids in the room? No, good. Okay, he was probably saying, your body is a wonderland. Anyway. Oh, come on. The way you're making me feel. Anyway, that's what he was doing. He was trying to throw the vibe to get a response from this woman. And here's what God said in chapter 2, verse 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife. And the two are united and they become one. Teamwork. They're now a team. They're joined together. How many of you have ever done the three-legged race before? Anybody done a three-legged race? You know what that is. It's basically where you have a partner and you, you tie up one leg to their leg and you're supposed to race. But of course, you need teamwork to make the dream work. You've got to be able to keep the pace with the person beside you. And look, if, if, if someone like me is attached to someone like a Usain Bolt or somebody that is a really fast runner, they're going to leave me in the dust. As a matter of fact, they're going to be dragging me. I will become a dead weight to them. So you have to find the pace in the race in order to win. Isn't that right? And so it is with marriage. This is the way God designed it. He, he said, you're going to have to keep pace in this race. And, and you're joined together specifically because God made it that way. God designed it that way. God's hope was that the two of you walk this journey of life together, that it's a marathon, not a sprint, that you, you, you leave room for each other to go through slowing moments. I can just tell you, Michelle and I have been through some slowing moments in our journey. I mean, you know, we, we have a, a great marriage, but it's never been a perfect marriage because there's challenges that are always there. Today, we're actually, and I call it a celebration, we're celebrating the date 
of Michelle's father's passing. Uh, and that was one of the most traumatic moments of our journey together. It was uh, sudden and, and it was very quick. And I say celebration because I honor his life. And I think back to those days in that journey where uh, he wasn't serving the Lord. And he came to faith. He, he said yes to Jesus Christ. And he made a decision for the Lord. And I thank God for that turning point because uh, it wasn't long after that that he passed away. And, and so to, to me today is a celebration of life of him and what he meant to us. But having lost her father and then her mother and then her younger sister, uh, just uh, different tragedies that, that happen in life. How many of you know you can't keep running hard in that three-legged race when there's challenges? When somebody breaks their ankle or, or turns their ankle, you can't keep running hard. You got to slow your pace. And in those moments right now, I believe that there are those couples in this room that you're going to have to learn to slow your pace. If your spouse is going through something, you've got to learn to be sensitive to walk that pace with them. And that's kind of why I decided to go ahead and take specific questions that might come up throughout this message that you can just text D1Text to 84576 and ask a question right here and I'll just uh, give answers as, as I, I get them. So, so uh, let's see. How can, this is one of the questions, how can the wife help a husband who's not quite ready to be the spiritual leader of the home? Okay, great, great question. Great question. So let's start there, biblically, okay? God had had a divine design in mind when he created male and female. As a matter of fact, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 helps address that question. And that's this, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image to reflect our nature. Let's talk about it for a minute. So we're supposed to reflect God's nature. That's his ultimate goal is that we as human beings would reflect his nature. Well, what was his nature? Well, we know in his divine nature, he is the triune God. He is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I've used this illustration many times, but it was the way I taught my kids growing up that, uh, you know, I, would t I took an ice cube out of the freezer and I said, this is H2O but it's in solid form. And then I would take a pan out and I'd put it on the fire and I'd take the ice and I'd put it in the pan and it would start to heat up. And I'd say, this is still H2O, but it's water, right? And then I would turn up the heat a little bit until it started to bubble and then the steam would rise. And I said, that is also H2O, but it's steam. So whether it's in solid, liquid, or gaseous form, it's still all H2O. And so it is with God. He's the triune God. But that's the way he created us in his nature, okay? He created us to, just like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he created us with a, a body, a soul, and a spirit. And so with the body, he gave us the five senses with which we could connect to life, the taste, the touch, the smell, and all those things that we connect our, our life to. And then he gave us a spirit, and he said that spirit can be reborn or regenerated. And that's, uh, the Bible calls that being born again by the spirit of God, the spirit of God uh, that dwells inside of you. He, he, he regenerates it. He, he makes it like you're new, you're brand new, you're born again spiritually. 
And, and by the way, the, there's a really important uh, life lesson that you ought to learn, and that is that you ought to date someone, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, that you ought to date someone who has been regenerated, reborn. Their spirit has, has come alive because how can they think spiritually or function spiritually if their spirit has not yet been regenerated and reborn? And so that's a really important concept to just lay the groundwork for the answer to this, this all-important question. So what's the third element? So body uh, and spirit, but also we're made up as of a soul. Okay, and what is the soul? The soul is actually made up of three parts. It's the mind, the will, and the emotions. All right, now let's think about that for a moment. The mind, the will, and the emotions. When I call my wife my soulmate, what am I actually saying? Because we use that term a lot around Valentine's Day. They're my soulmate. They're my soulmate. Lafonda's my soulmate. You know, uh, nobody watched Napoleon Dynamite? Okay, that's all right. That was a, de- that was a halfway decent Anyway, and so here they are calling each other soulmates. What does that really mean? Well, if it's the mind, the will, and the emotions, what they're really saying is the mind, we think, I think like you. The will, I want what you want. The emotions, I feel how you feel. That's the soul. And the soul changes day to day. That's the challenge of going by your feelings, right? Because some days, listen, Michelle and I are very different. We're very different in our thought patterns. First, just biologically, biochemically, physically, uh, in so many ways we're different because she's a woman and I'm a man. I know this sounds weird that I have to actually reteach stuff like she's different because she's a woman and I'm different because I'm a man, biologically, chemically, uh, in every way. But I'll just start with that premise. Okay, but because she's different from me doesn't mean I'm better than her or she's better than me. She's different from me. Actually, she compliments me. So what I have to then do is begin to lean into wisdom that she has as she leans into wisdom with me, that we not only compliment uh, each other, but we also have been, we have committed to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Okay, in the fear of the Lord. That means that uh, out of reverence for God, I respect her. Out of reverence for God, she respects me. Okay, so, so let's get the, again, the foundation here that I'm trying to lay to answer this very complex question. So if she begins to think different from me because she's a southern girl and I'm a northern boy, She's going to think different from me. So when she starts thinking different from me, I have, I have an option. I can totally disregard it because she thinks different from me. Or I can ask myself, is she thinking biblically? See, in a re- regenerated spirit, here's what happens. If I'm thinking unbiblically and she's thinking biblically, I'm submitting to God when I say I, I agree with what you're saying or, or I need to pray about what you're saying. So it's, they're, they're, but, but this, is, this is where it gets a little messy. But my emotions are out there too. And I get emotional and I get frustrated. So what do I do with those emotions once I feel them? Those thoughts when I think them? When my will starts to change, how do I function with her? Well, listen, you need to understand there's something uh, of an attachment 
that causes both the greatest joy and the deepest pain when you build a relationship. And if both of you are godly, as I said, you got to start there. Then what you have to do is lean into what is biblically right. Because there's always three sides to a story. There's her side, there's my side, there's God's side. And only one of those three is right and it's mine. I'm just kidding. I'm, see, I'm just making sure you're listening. Nobody in this room is listening. Now listen, three sides, her side, my side, his side. And if both of us choose to lean into him, he is truth. He is all truth. So what does biblical leadership really look like then? From a biblical standpoint, what does that mean? You're, the man is supposed to be the godly leader. Well, that sounds great, but what exactly does it mean? Does that mean that he leads in, a, in an evening prayer over the meal? Is he supposed to do devotions? Is he supposed to uh, pray over you? Well, all those things would be great, and those are awesome. But nagging doesn't help. So, so what do you do? Here's, here's the way God made us different, male and female with our attribute, attributes. Everybody say we're different. All right, here's the deal. Here's how we function in that. As a man, out of all those things that I just described that God made me different, one of the things that he created and put inside of me is to be a protector. Now, in the hands of God, I will be a godly protector. I'll protect my family. I'll protect my wife. I'll protect my children. But in the hands of, of the enemy or my flesh, I can become a dominator, a right? A controller. Because I want what I want. See, I'm leading from my soul, not from my spirit. Does that make sense? If you're leading from your spirit, you're becoming a godly leader. If you're leading from your soul, you're becoming more fleshly because you want what you want. And every woman in this room, I don't matter where you came from or what your background is or what your idea of a good man is or a strong man is or whatever, you may have been raised around men that were just horrible and awful, and so you don't have a, a, a biblical concept of a godly man. Others of you have been raised around godly men, and then you know what that's supposed to look like, but you're trying to make your husband into your dad, and your husband's not your dad. He doesn't have the same background, the upbringing, all of that stuff. And so here's what wins. You have to learn, because, because she was born and raised in a different family and household. She's going to have different ideas and concepts. And as long as they're biblical, they're right. When they become unbiblical, that's when they're wrong. So as a female, she was uh, born in many ways to be a nurturer, right? And I, I don't want to go into the biology of all that, what that looks like, but talk to any mom that is in the nursing mom's right now, uh, room now, and you know that, uh, that they're, they're a nurturer by nature. The problem is in the spirit, they're a nurturer. In the flesh, they could be a, a manipulator. See, so, so when it comes to godly leadership, there's equality in godly leadership, but here's the way I see it. If I'm going to protect my home, I'm supposed to be an umbrella. Let me tell you what that, let me explain. I've used this illustration before. But um, no sane person, if it is raining, just cats and dogs out there, it's just raining really hard out there, and someone runs over and offers an umbrella, goes, get that umbrella away from me. How could you be so chauvinistic to bring your umbrella to me? That's ridiculous, bringing your umbrella to me. I don't want to, I don't need no umbrella. Nobody does that because that's, that's kooky. 
They say, oh, thanks. I appreciate that. So here's what I'm supposed to be for my family. I'm supposed to be a covering. And that spiritual covering means there's a lot of attacks that come from the enemy. The Bible says the, the, the darts of the enemy, the fiery darts of the wicked one, is trying to come in to destroy my son, my daughters, and my wife. And the best way I can protect them is through prayer. I want to cover them in prayer. Lord, watch over my son, watch over my daughters, watch over my spouse, and on and on it goes. I bless my children, I bless my family, and when I sense something is happening in one of my family members' lives, I go deeper into prayer. It's not so I can manipulate them into becoming what I want for them, it's that I want to release over them the blessing of how God wants to make them. You see that? That's a spiritual leader. And so spiritual leadership in this room, you need to understand, begins and ends with submitted prayer. Jesus, when he said, I want, you, I want to teach you disciples how to be the leader of everybody, the leader of everybody, and he knelt down, Jesus, the Messiah, the master, the redeemer, kneels down, takes a, a basin, and begins to wash the disciples' feet. He takes on the form of a servant. And so, so then a spiritual leader is a servant leader. Because they want the best for them. See, if my wife knows that all I want is the best for me, and then using godly platitudes to act like, well, the man's supposed to be in charge. Let me tell you something. Man that says that, I think, one, you're misrepresenting God's word because you're a knucklehead and a jerk, and you're trying to get away with it. You're a self-centered jerk, and you're trying to get away with it using God's word to get away with some stuff. And that's not right. It's not biblical. It's not godly. However... However, if you will submit your life to God, as I said, be regenerated, be reborn, and lead from your spirit, what will happen is over time, I've never seen a lady turn down a man who has her best interest at heart. And that's the picture of marriage in the Bible is that it was a picture of God and the church. That's the picture of marriage was, was God and the church, and what does it say about the man that the man should do? Like Christ is that we would lay down our life for our spouse. So in what ways are you laying down your life for your spouse? So we deal with these differences and these challenges. And when you put pressure on your mate to be your everything, they become an idol. She wasn't made to be my everything. It sounds good in a song. It doesn't work out practically. She's not supposed to be my everything. God is supposed to be my everything. Man, I wish I had an hour and a half to teach. I mean, uh, one page into my notes and I'm looking at the clock going, yeah, we got to shut this down. But I got so much to teach on this subject. But there's, there's an aspect of, of my will versus God's will. And if God's will is winning, then I'm a good leader. I'm a godly leader. But holding them and trying to mold them into who you want them to be makes them an idol and, and makes you out to try to be God. But helping them become what God wants them to be makes you a partner with God. Think about your hand for a minute. I, I, I try to think about this when I asked her father for her hand in marriage. What was I asking for? I had no clue what I was getting myself into. <laughs> 
But when I asked for her hand in marriage, what was I doing? Matter of fact, after I asked for her, quote, hand in marriage symbolically, then we came to an altar and we stood there and we held hands and we gave vows to each other. And by the way, P.S., vows, if those of you that write your own vows, vows are not, you make me feel so good about myself. I love me and I'm so glad that you like me enough to make me feel good about me. That is not a vow. Vow is I will give my life for you. I will lay down everything for you. I'm willing to sacrifice it all because the definition of love is all for you, nothing for me. And when you walk in that kind of biblical agape style love, guess what happens is you get way more than you bargained for because the blessings come back, pressed down, shaken together, running over. There is a fluid blessing that comes with both are walking in that partnership of true serving love. So I put my hand in hers. What was I doing? Well, I was intertwining the grooves of my hand with hers. And, and I know you hear me talk about this all the time, but those of you who haven't been around for a while, I'm obsessed with fingertips because it just it amazes me that God would choose, the creator of the universe would choose to carve grooves in fingertips. Like, why would he choose to do that, to be different from any other human being on planet Earth? Just astounds me. And I know there's palm readers out there that, you know, uh, that are func- trying to function. They're either shysters or demonic, one of the two. But, but, but they're, they're, you know, there's the love line and there's your, you know, there's the focus of your business and da-da-da-da-da. Let me tell you, what they're, what they're doing is it's a cheap copy of what God really intended because there are lifelines and love lines in, in those grooves in your hands. And when you intertwine them, what you're saying is forever we are like a puzzle. And I don't fit unless you fit. We're intertwining the grooves of our hands. And what is the challenge is what's in her hands is different than I thought was in her hands. When I met her, all I knew was how beautiful she was. And, and then I started to get to know her and I found out how brilliant she was. And then later on down the road, I started to hear little bits and pieces as she'd slowly and vulnerably unpack her past the challenges of her life, the, the upbringing, the issues and the idiosyncrasies and all of those things. And, and I was doing the same. And, and what we were doing was we were unpacking baggage. And guess what? Every one of you in this room has some baggage. You have some difficult past pains and you're seeing your spouse through the filter of your past experience or your parents, however you were raised, the model that you saw growing up. And so there's something that happens when you intertwine those grooves as you say, I'm with you no matter what. I'm going to walk with you through difficult days. And when you hear my voice come through a filter that reminds you of your old boyfriend or your father or whomever that talked down to you or treated you poorly or, what, or cheated on you or whatever, I'm still here. I'm stuck like glue with you. We're in this three-legged race together. And I'll slow my pace so we can win this race because teamwork makes the dream work. Are you following what I'm saying? I got through one question. Maybe in a couple weeks, I'll come back to those other questions. I'd like to invite the worship team to come as we prepare to close out. Mark, how do you deal with arguments then? I know that was one of the next questions. How do I deal with some arguments? It's very important. 
There's a couple more that are really good. Maybe I can get to that in a couple of weeks. But you have creative power. Proverbs 18, 21 says it like this. It says, basically, we eat the fruit of our words. That means we need to retrain our minds and our mouths. Here's what it says. Words kill and words can give life. They're either your poison or your fruit. You choose. And Michelle and I found out a long time ago that you create your world with your words. God in his infinite wisdom chose to speak the world into existence according to the first chapter of the book of Genesis. And he could have done anything. He could have like juggled the earth along with a bunch of other galaxies and then, you know, and didn't say anything. But the, the Bible seems to indicate that he spoke the world into existence. And then he breathed the breath of life, his breath, into mankind so that we could be an extension of him and that we could, just like him, create our world with our words. And if you don't believe that, let me tell you something. You can get a job or lose a job with your words. You can get a marriage or lose a marriage with your words. So it, the truth is you create your world with your words. And the problem is we're using that creative power at times to do things other than bless our spouse and bring words of life and encouragement. So I have to ask you, are you cursing what God's trying to bless? This is a real question. Are you cursing or trying to curse what God's trying to bless? God's trying to bless your marriage. God's trying to bless your spouse. And he's trying to use you to do it. And when you become so self-centered or self-focused, the problem is what happens. What happens is we lose touch with the partnership with God. Because she's not just my wife or the daughter of the Gavan family. She's also God's kid. That's God's daughter. Think about that. Your spouse is God's child. I'm going to tell you. By the way, can I have that microphone? I feel a little, I think it's popping from this. So. Thank you so much, sweetie. I don't know what it is in your life that has caused you such turmoil and such pain that you've had to turn inward. But I can just tell you, there's an inward turn in a lot of marriages that start to break down the relationship. You stop, you stop speaking words of life. You spoke them when you were dating. You may have even spoke them in your first year of marriage, but you stopped speaking them. And I want you to know, if anybody were to talk about or try to take out my son or my daughters, I would fight him. I, I would have, if somebody's trying to hurt my kids, man, as a dad, I would stand up and defend them. How much more so is God the Father willing and ready to defend his daughter? So when I treat her with respect, with love, with patience, with kindness, with goodness, with faithfulness. When I, when I treat her with respect, what happens? God can bless me because I'm blessing his daughter. God can bless me through her. Matter of fact, that's what most men need. I'm just gonna let you know, ladies, they need your words. 
Respect is like the number one top thing in, in the priority list of most men. And what does that mean? To just do everything they say? No. It's in a loving and a respectful way. Be nice. And if you disagree biblically, then get, get violent in prayer <laughs> privately and be nice publicly. <laughs> but go after God, no matter what you do, go after God. And let me stop and say this. There's a lot of men in the room. You would love to be a godly leader. You would love it. It's not that you don't, you've abdicated the responsibility or you don't desire it. It's just you don't know how to do it. And I'm going to tell you the best thing you can do is speak blessing over your spouse. Call out of her the destiny that's within her. Matter of fact, come up here, baby, if you would, please. I certain, I didn't plan to do most of this, but that's all right. So here's the deal. You look her in the eyes. You go, you know, baby, I love you. But more than that, I know God loves you. And I know what I see in you is amazing. But what I see, what, what God sees in you is incredible. So it's my job to try to pull out the destiny that's inside of you in any way I can. And so you begin to just ask the Lord to show you what it is that's inside of her that needs to be still yet revealed. You say, okay, well, I know one of those things is God's got leadership in you. God's got words that he's wanting to pull out of you. He's got some teaching that he wants to give to other ladies. And there's desperate ladies in this world that have been deeply wounded. And I see in you a healer. You're a healer. And with God's divine design, you're going to heal the lives of women. And I see that in you, and I'm, I'm so proud to see that in you. But I'm going to pray that over you, that God would pull out of you who you really are. And then I know there's going to be times where you get discouraged, or you feel like, am I really making a difference? Or you'll feel a little insecure, as all of us do from time to time. And you go, well, how am I supposed to help hurting women if I'm hurting myself? And I'm here to tell you that I'm with you in the journey, and I'm going to fight with you. But I also want you to know God sees that. And the raw, real you and those challenges that you might face are going to be the, the, the very thing that helps other women because out of your pain, you're going to help other women find their purpose. And so I just, I want you to know that. I want you to know that God's divine design is the most attractive thing to me. You're, you're, you're gorgeous, you're beautiful in every way, but there's a divine design in you that draws me to you. And as you get close to God, when I see you, when I wake up in the morning and I see you at, on the couch, studying through your notes, going through the Bible, praying for our children, crying out to God on behalf of our kids, that, that blesses me, it motivates me to try to be a better man. I just want you to know you're a blessing. And I love you, and I value you. So I'm gonna pray over you that, that and, and yeah, I'm using this as a model, but in, in my mind, they're not even here. But I just, I'm gonna speak over you as a, a model so that other guys will know here's what you're supposed to do. And, and I don't do this nearly enough as I should. I'm gonna be honest in front of them and in front of you, and I should do this more often. 
But I'm just going to continue to speak life over you. Lord Jesus, I love my wife, and I just speak life over her. And I call out every good thing in her, every good and perfect gift that comes from above. I speak that over her. And God, for some of these other guys who don't seem to know how to say it or the words to say it, it doesn't matter. It's not about words. It's, it's about life. So I speak life over her today, and I thank you that you're calling out. You're calling her up and calling her out. You're calling her up to get closer to you, to release revival over this generation and even over this house at Dothan First, but you're also uh, revealing to her who she is so that she can become all that you want her to be so that she can help other women to be who they're called to be. The divine destiny, I pray, we, I call it out of her in Jesus' name. I place a demand on the anointing of God that's inside of her life to be all that she's called to be, to do all that she's called to do, to function as a woman of God in faith. And that this next season I call out of her will be the most fruitful of all seasons that she's ever known. And that she won't walk in her own strength, but she'll walk in your strength. She'll be guided by your Holy Spirit. She'll be led by your truth biblically to be a mother, a wife, but more than that, to be a child of the living God. I speak to the, de the, to the divine destiny that's in her spirit to spirit. I speak over her life, health, freedom, I speak over her strength, courage, and faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't, yeah. yeah. You know what's great? Is we think that that just like comes from a guy, but do you know that's what she does over me too? And I mean, had I not just called her up out of the blue and done something totally different than I planned, I would I could have just as easily turned the mic over to her. It's not, look, dude, it's not a mic drop. That's not a mic drop moment. That's a moment of humility and service. And then you can hand that beautiful woman the mic so to speak and you can allow her to pray over you and call out the destiny that's inside of you I'm going to leave you with one more illustration and it's probably such a bad illustration but it's, it's good and you'll understand how profound it is in just a moment when I was young we had a golden retriever and that golden retriever was hit by a car and it died and so my dad was trying to do a good deed by replacing that dog and bringing another dog into the home but he didn't want a little puppy so he got uh, like a two-year-old golden retriever and brought that dog into the house and that dog lasted all of one month. And the reason that dog lasted all of one month is when I'd walk in, I would go up to the dog and I'm sorry if, if you are not a dog lover, but I am. And I looked at the dog and I'm like, oh, the baby, I love my little doggy. And I get real high voiced. Okay, that was just, that was just me. That's how, I still do that today. I'm 50 years old. I still walk, oh, the baby. That's my, anyway. And, and so you may think that's weird. Okay, that's fine. Just put that aside. But when I would get that high-pitched voice, that dog would wet all over the floor. It was the weirdest thing. The dog was actually potty trained like it would go outside. It was a two-year-old dog. It would go outside. It's a smart dog. But whatever it was about the pitch of my voice had a, left a mess to clean up. Let me tell you something, it's, it may be a horrible illustration because I'm not trying to compare people to dogs, but let me tell you something, the pitch of your voice has trained your spouse and your children 
to leave a mess in your house. Whether the mean tone of your voice is scaring the doo-doo out of them, or that, li that little voice where they know, oh, dad's, dad's mad now, I gotta walk on eggshells. I'm gonna go up to my room, I'm gonna disappear. Look, and it doesn't just come from a man, it comes from a woman too. You can just tell, you can feel it in the room. The temperature is rising and you can feel the volatility and you know something's coming and you're complaining about the mess when the pitch of your voice created that mess in the first place. God's trying to get us to love our spouse the way he first loved us. How did he love us? Perfectly, unconditionally. He loves us with an everlasting love and he's reaching out to you today, not just to be a good husband or to be a good wife. He's actually reaching out deeper than that. He's reaching out to your spirit and your soul and he's trying to regenerate you to become all that God made you to be. And friend, the only way you can do that is to submit your life to God's perfect plan. And the best plan I can give you is to ask God to forgive you of your sins, to give you a fresh start and to make him Lord of every area of your life. Right now, I'm gonna have you invite him in in whatever category you happen to fit in maybe you're rededicating your life to the Lord or maybe this is uh, you know uh, uh, the first time you made a decision for Christ right here right now I want you to invite Christ in into your marriage into your home into your family into your job into your spiritual life and into every other area would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment and if that's you and you say, Mark, that's me, include me in this prayer. Whatever category you fit in, I want you to slip up your hand, acknowledging by the raised hand, Mark, that's me. Come on, right now, all over this place. Yeah, God bless you. A lot of hands going up. God bless you. You're just submitting to the Lord right now. That's you. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. In the balcony, on the main floor, God bless you. Hands all over the place. You can, be, you can go ahead and put your hand down. I wanna invite you into this prayer. Those watching online, you can pray this prayer out loud with me as well. But I really want you to say it out loud after me because I believe God wants to do something in this house. Matter of fact, let me pray over marriages right now. Just speak blessing over you. Lord Jesus, I pray blessing over couples right now. If you're seated by your spouse, go ahead and join your hand with theirs right now. If you're seated by maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend, you can do the same, but we're just speaking blessing right now. Lord Jesus, I pray blessing over couples. I bless them with strength and with health. I bless them with a happy and a healthy life together. Give them safety and protection and guide their every step. Let them walk in submitted obedience to you, Lord God. Give them joy in times of sorrow. God, bring them calm in the midst of every storm. I bless them from this day forward to love each other as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, if you would, would you pray this prayer out loud after me? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can you stand up with us? Come on, can you begin to give God praise for the goodness of his mercy in this house today? Come on, come on, let's worship the King together. Who be immovable.
believe that everything you need, God's got it. God's watching over you. And I'm gonna do a couple of things. I'm gonna invite our leadership team to slip out toward the back where we can greet those and our leadership team can, can just bless you and encourage you at our guest reception. If you're a first time guest here, we'd be so honored to meet you after the service. It's out the doors and to your left. And if you wanna be a part of our grow track and know a little more about your divine design, we would love that. If you go out the doors and to your right, there's a Connection Cafe right in there. We want to bless you and encourage you. We'll take some time with you and walk you through this process. It's going to be amazing. But I want to speak a blessing over you and your household today. Because I believe for it. I believe for marriages to be restored, for families to be healed, for lives to be changed, for change to be broken, chains to be broken off of people for transformation in lives. And generationally, I'm believing for God's plan and purpose to be revealed, discovered, and released. In the name of Jesus Christ, would you receive this blessing? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. May you give that love away to as many people as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing to your household, to your family, to your spouse, to your kids, grandkids, great-grandkids. I bless you to leave a legacy of of faith behind you and a wake of blessing behind you. I bless you in your homes and with your, your uh, uh, extended family. I bless you to be a blessing to your coworkers, to those in the Wiregrass area, and especially I bless you to be a blessing to those who don't know the love of Jesus, to give the love of Jesus away to as many people as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of today? Hey, I pray you did. God bless you. We love you. Have a Jesus-filled week. We'll see you either this Wednesday or next Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed.